Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Managing Editor Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by my recruiting analyst Jared Howis here for the Edge Podcast at BeaversEdge.com. Well, folks, signing day officially in the rearview mirror. December signing period came and went. February signing period came and went. The Beavers have the crux of their class. Jared and I will be breaking it down. We'll also be looking ahead and kind of previewing some of the bigger storylines with spring football and some other little news and updates along the way. But very happy to be back on the podcast with you guys. Jared, good to see you, my man. How are things? Things are well, man. Things are well. Just uh, staying uh, staying busy and uh, trying to to you know, keep my head in, in, in the pot for everything that's happening in the, in the sports world. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, like I said, it's a, uh, it was, it was a, it's been a, a busy yet slow time at the same time right now, as we're in that, that off season mode after signing day before spring football starts, still a lot of stuff behind the scenes going on, obviously with the team, but mostly as far as they're concerned, engaged now in those off season workouts and, you know, getting ready for whenever it is Oregon State spring ball starts. But before we get into the beefs, Jared, I want to know, how was your Super Bowl? Man, uh, wasn't that good? <laughs> I mean, I was expecting a closer game, you know? So, uh, but everything everything started going downhill, you know, relatively quickly. It was uh, it was not, you know, too fun to watch. Tom Brady smashed his way to his sixth. So I'm assuming then you had a rooting interest and we're pulling for Casey. I would say yes, but you know I, I respect it. Obviously, indisputable at this point, uh, greatest of all time. It is what it is. Uh, he's a, he's a good guy, you know. He's, he's not a bad guy, so I'm not I'm not mad about it. Uh, obviously, again, you know he's the goat, so you just gotta you have to appreciate it. That's what I always tell people to do with LeBron James. So that's yep. the attitude I have to take towards towards Brady as well as just appreciate it. We might, we might almost need to have a, a separate podcast at some point to talk about our GOAT discussion because uh-huh. I'm looking at the guy that says LeBron James is the GOAT, and, and I respect that opinion even though, you know, I think Michael Jordan takes that cake and, and runs with it. But when you're going across sports and you're talking like, you know, Tom Brady, LeBron James, where does, you know, does LeBron still take your ultimate GOAT status or uh-huh. is Tom Brady there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think LeBron – I think in terms of pure athleticism, LeBron's definitely up there because I think he could go play tight end in the NFL right now and probably be a pretty impactful player uh, as well as, you know, multiple other things if you wanted to, maybe not like golf or something like that. But when you talk about goats, you know, you've got your Tiger Woods, you've got your Tom Brady's now and and you're, you know, depending on who you ask, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, uh, Serena Williams, you know, there's definitely people that come to your brain right away. I think in the grand scheme of things, when we're talking about the great, the greatest of all sports of all time, I think you've got to give it to Tom now. I just yeah. think he's won yeah. more Super Bowls on his own than any NFL franchise, which is an insane yep. thing to say. So yeah, I know got- that. I, I know it took us on a little bit of a divergence, but obviously this last weekend was the Super Bowl, the biggest football holiday of the year, and I was just curious to see, you know, how you enjoyed the game, and and obviously. Uh, you know, everyone was largely for the most part, you know, at home and watching the game and didn't end up being, you know, quite the game we expected, but you know, that's that's football. And, and I just wanted to bring it up in the sense of now we have to wait quite a bit until we get any sort of football back. So, you know, definitely was enjoyable to kind of soak up that last Sunday. And now I'm going to be itching for spring football, which we'll be getting to a little bit later here in this podcast. Yep. Yep. Spring's looking, uh, looking like it'll be a fun one. There's some uh, there's some question marks that uh, that will have to be answered, uh, so it's going to be exciting. 
again, like you said, it sucks that the football's over, but I'm a huge college basketball fan. So yeah. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying watching all of that and just thankful that they're able to, to play and you know that we're looking like we're gonna have a tournament and all that. Uh it's it's super exciting to have that going on as well. So Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I echo your point about basketball. I, I do love college basketball, but I love college basketball in the postseason. And when it starts to get into the nitty gritty and, you know, towards the end of the season. Right. And, and that and for me, like how you you know, I what I like to do as far as, you know, loving basketball this time of year, I love to watch as much NBA as possible. And I, I like the NBA more than I like college basketball. And I think I that. Try, man. Yeah. I, and I got to understand with the Hawks letting me down, it's it's not, it's not easy. I was expecting this year to, to go better and it has, but you know, there's some things that, that still need to be, you know, uh, I guess touched on and hopefully improved throughout the season. Hey man, I mean, you know, it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's not easy up here in Portland either. You know, Blazers going through quite a few injuries themselves, but uh, now that we've distracted each other for the good amount of this podcast, had, had to get those little howdy doody things going on just to, you know, keep everyone on their toes, but into the mix and the crux of this 2021 class, Jared, just first impressions, you know, you and I didn't uh, get a chance to, you know, talk together on a podcast format uh, following the 15 editions they made during the February signing period last week. I'm just kind of curious, you know, you've read my stuff. I've read your stuff. We've had coverage wall to wall here at Beaver's edge. I'm just kind of curious. Did anything about how they wrapped up the class, at least on paper, obviously there's still room. They could add a guy or two. We'll get into that in a little bit too. But just from where it stands right now, were mm-hmm. you pleased, surprised, or you know, pretty much just in line with with how they ended up shaking this thing out? I think it, it went as expected for the most part. Uh, you know, you talk about the fifteen editions, and and a large, large sum of those were were preferred walk-ons. Yes, very much. So. And uh, it, it got to a point where, as you know, uh, you know, they were adding multiple a day and I, I remember just getting text messages throughout like another pwo i'm like yep another preferred walk-on and uh it, i understand like everybody wants obviously the big thing right now is everyone wants a big defensive line and uh everybody wanted you know to see some more scholarship additions but at the same time you gotta think when they add such a large quantity of walk-ons the way i told people to look at it is hey doesn't hurt the program at all it helps the program in a big way and some of these guys will play out so be excited about it. We don't know which ones yet, but just know that because of the, the amount they're adding, some of them will play out. Some of these guys will end up being impact guys on the field, and all of them will be impact guys off the field as well, uh, just as far as practice and scout team and stuff like that goes. They'll all, they'll all, you know, it's it's all great when you can add guys like that. Uh, but as far as the scholarship guys go, I mean, obviously the, the storyline was, was flipping Jason White from yep. Boise State. That was a huge pickup that we actually called right after the the first signing day. I would almost give us a little bit more credit than that, Jared, and say you and I maybe even predicted this was going to happen. We did. We did. Yeah, we, we predicted it back in uh, in mid December. Oh, good so call. Good call from you, my man. It was exciting to see it happen. Uh, I mean, you had to know there was some kind of possibility just right. seeing Oregon State was in the top three. Boise State kind of came and swept them up rather quickly. I think they offered them in uh, in like. October and he committed shortly after something something like that right so it happened it happened pretty fast and, and you know when when you've got guys like that regardless of whether they commit or not you're going to continue building that relationship uh you know I don't know why he decided to back off his pledge one would assume it was because uh because Harson left for Auburn right. but either way 
a fantastic job for Oregon State to get in and get a, a guy that's widely considered one of the more athletic tackles uh, on the West Coast. So super, super good pickup there, like super good pickup. I, I think people talk about the offensive line recruiting a lot, right. but I've actually been super impressed with, with the additions, you know, Henry Buckles being the in-state gym and then right. Jason White being your kind of headliner there. And then last year's class I thought was fantastic uh, with Fuaga and, uh, and Cooper Darling as well right. as Salamana. So I, I think it's been well. Yeah, and I think you hit a, a lot of really great points there. And, you know, like I said, we'd be remiss if, you know, I think you and I almost try to mention it in just about every recruiting story that we have now. We're, Jared and I are well conscious and we're well aware <laughs> that the fan base wants a defensive lineman. That's not every lost on us. Doesn't. It's not lost on us. Believe uh-huh. me, it's not. But again, and, and as I put in my 321 that I posted yesterday, again, check that out. It's a pretty solid read, is just the whether it be the first press conference or the second press conference from Jonathan Smith and Jared, you can back me up on this. There wasn't a concern at least made publicly about the defensive line. There were questions asked about depth. There were questions asked about if they'd like to add any more, not specifically to the defensive line, but in general and time and time again, you go back to even December, Jonathan Smith, his real, you know, laid out priority then was we'd like to add another offensive lineman or two. Flash forward, they add Jason White, they add Hanelli Bloomfield, and, you know, the offensive line's relatively taken care of. Now, on the other side of that coin, you know, I really do think it's, it, it, it's a thing where I think the Beavers are being extremely selective because even though there's no scholarship limit for next season, yeah. um, and even some fans or some subscribers on the damn board have mentioned this, so i got to give them credit as well for going down this line, this, you know, line of thinking – you can't go over that mark if your athletic department doesn't have the money to pay for those scholarships. And I'm not implying that Oregon state does or does not, or don't have any inside knowledge or anything with that. But I can say that for an athletic department like Oregon states that is running a deficit right now, adding more costs to something is not something they're going to be jumping, you know, jumping out of the stands to go do. So could there be, you know, the notion that, you know, you know, maybe it's been told to Jonathan Smith, hey, you know, you've got wiggle room for one or two guys that could really be game changers or otherwise you're pretty much at your limit. And that's where I think they probably are, is where they've got room for one, two, maybe three. Does that number seem about right for what you, you've been able to gather, Jared? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's uh, like you said, it's, 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 it's not just Oregon State, it's nationwide. You know, there's right. not a lot of schools that, in the time that we're in you know, we're going to take a gamble on adding many more people. And we don't know what the future is going to look like as far as the scholarship numbers go. So it is a gamble. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, like you said, if there is an essential guy who could be an impact guy, they're going to, they're going to make it happen uh, if they want to. And that's kind of what you were saying at first. You know, we don't really even, we can't, it's hard to tell if they even really want to right now. Right. And, and but, that, that really is the, and, you know, we, we even saw, you know, in just, the conversations on the damn board about people being like, how can they not yeah. right, see that as, as, and, and again, from our perspective, it's our job to, you know, kind of put the pieces together with the information that we get. And again, my, I will go back to this, as I say all the time, Jonathan Smith knows what he's doing. Jonathan yeah. Smith knows how to build this program. So if it's not the way the perfect, you know, fitting into the way that, you know, we want it to fit into in this nice little neat window where, you know, this defensive lineman commits, it's great. He's locked in. It's many months in advance. When in reality, the, you know, I pointed to this yesterday was 
I could see a situation where after spring, they find a defensive lineman or a defensive tackle that, you know, maybe didn't get high as high on the depth chart as he thought he was going to be, you know, when he went in for his spring practice, maybe they add someone over the summer, you know, I don't know, those kind of things happen all the time, but, but I think the, the overarching point that I have here is don't get married to the idea of the Beavers absolutely having, 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 having to add a defensive lineman because I don't think the Beavers necessarily see it as a must have. Do you? No, I I think you're pretty much right on there. It's interesting because, you know, it is a seemingly a position of need, but like you said, it all comes down to trust in the staff. You know, these are the guys that, that lead your team uh, in all in all aspects. So you've got to, if, if you're a fan of the team, you know, you, you're, of course, in line by questioning things that happen. But also it's, it's important that overall you trust the process. And, uh, you know, if you like the staff, then just just know that, that they've obviously got a plan. If, they, if there's a need for a defensive line, and by need, I mean need, then they will address it. Uh, there's a million guys out there in the world that uh, that would love to play for Oregon State. Believe me. So if there if there's a guy, they'll find him. Uh, so just just know that. And that's that's kind of why I've been, you know, wondering do they do they view it as a need? Because right. there's been guys who they could have you know taken a gamble on or rolled the dice on or even like surefire guys right. that you know you didn't really see them push for. So you've got to you've got to imagine that that it's not as big of a need as, as the outside uh, affluence is making it to be. So we'll, we'll see. Right. And, and just kind of my last point on that, just to kind of put a bow tie on that before we, you know, move on to, you know, continuing to round out the class and then look ahead to spring in this edition of the edge podcast. Um, it, it's, it's interesting to me that I'm not going to say like the lack of news in this regard, but this just kind of leads me to believe that maybe the internal development they're expecting to be more than we are. Maybe they're putting bigger stock into that. You know, a guy like Evan Bennett, a guy like Corey Stover, you know, someone who maybe has made an impact, but they're like, okay, this guy can maybe, you know, be ready to chew up some good, you know, snaps at, you know, D tackle or D end or whatever. You know, I think of a guy um, uh, this last year, Jared, who you and I were extremely high on in Tavis Shippen, didn't even hardly see the field. This season, I maybe special teams, maybe a couple snaps here and there. When I asked Jonathan Smith about it, there wasn't really a clear answer. So maybe he just needed a year to get his body right for, you know, the Pac-12. But there's a guy who heading in, you know, where we were at this point last year, we're like, yeah, you know, Tavis Shippen will be a guy that can contribute on the defensive line right away. And he wasn't there this last year. So there is some of that. And maybe a guy like he comes on, I mentioned it in my story, if he gets medically cleared, which in my opinion would be a miracle and, and something to be celebrated for a long time. If Jordan Whitley is able to make his way back onto the field, given how um, perilous that situation looked when the first news broke um, that, you know, again, Jordan Whitley was a guy who took up great space and his metrics from when he did play were really, really good. Um, Jeremy Reichner is another guy he's, you know, dealt with, dealt with some injuries, opted out this last year, but another body on the defensive line that I've been waiting to see for many years now to see if he can, you know, turn into at least a, a decent playmaker. Maybe not the, the, the hype of what we originally thought when he came, but still enough, I think, to he's got some left in the tank. So when you combine all those factors and then you add in a guy like Omarion Fa Moy, who's going to be joining the mix as well, 
maybe they're happy with where they are and they're like, okay, if there's one guy that really will bolster this unit, we'll go after him. Otherwise, we're happy with where we are. Yeah, and, and again, you know, that's kind of where, where it seems to be. So it's, uh, it's definitely a situation where you've really got to trust the process. And uh, we'll see what happens. I, you know, I'm not saying that they won't add one, but uh, it, it definitely doesn't seem like they are putting as much emphasis on it uh, as one may expect. In case you're just joining us here on the Edge Podcast, Managing Editor Brandon Slaughter, joined, as always, by my recruiting analyst, Jared Hollis, for this edition of the Edge Podcast. We're talking and putting a bow tie on Oregon State's 2021 class before we look ahead and start to look into spring football. Another thing that uh, I just want to mention as we're still, uh, you know, we're recording this podcast on a Wednesday morning, I just want to touch on it because we haven't got a chance to talk about it. Michael Petrie. Mm-hmm. obviously now been announced as a running backs coach for Chicago bears. The Beavers are feverishly looking for, uh, you know, the replacement and I'm sure we'll have, um, you know, that information that comes to us soon. Otherwise at this point, it's just purely guesswork. And I would be willing to bet that Jonathan Smith is talking to people we don't even have on our radar. So, you know, that's, that's the nature of the business and being connected and whatnot, but um, just real surface level with this. And, and I put this on the damn board and I think you did something the same, Jared, um, from Oregon State's perspective, it stinks. It stings, it stinks, it's all those things. From Michael Petrie's perspective, go, please go and, you know, pursue your career because, you know, you don't get opportunities like that very often. The opportunity to leave a program like Oregon State where the, you know, national recognition of success hasn't happened under Jonathan Smith. I mean, you're talking the, the height under Petrie has been, you know, still five wins. If you can parlay that into a, a gig in the NFL, especially in today's offensive-centric NFL, where that's the name of the game, you know, I, I'm happy for him. I'm very happy for him, and I wish him all the best because he's an awesome human being. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Petrie's obviously a guy that, you know, if, I think if you ask anybody, aside from Coach Smith, who, who's your guy on the staff that you'd love? Mm-hmm. I think he'd be at the top of most people's list. So it was uh, – a uh, obviously, even NFL guys list. So it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, it's certainly a stinger, like you said. He's uh, hopefully going to have a fantastic career in the NFL now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely are going to need to hurry up and find somebody because cause there's a lot of work to be done now in the, in the 2022 class. And obviously right. you want to get someone in to, to build some great relationships with uh, all the talent that's currently in that room because uh, there is some and a lot of a lot of the reason for some of those guys being there is because they had such a great relationship with Michael Petrie right. so I think getting a guy in who's got that you know that swagger that Petrie had and uh you know having them just again focus on those relationships and hit the recruiting trail hard it's going to be super important I'm sure that, I mean obviously they've, they've definitely assigned somebody else to target the guys that, that Petrie was was targeting for right now right uh, but Getting somebody in for sure. You never want there to be a question mark. So getting somebody in for sure, uh, especially if it can be, you know, somebody who's got that that swagger will, will make a big difference. Yeah, that's a couple great points there. And the one that really stands out to me right away is the um, the fact that you mentioned, you know, his responsibilities. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, Petrie also held the, that dual title. I can't remember if it was director of recruiting or recruiting coordinator, either way, one of the two. Jared, who... Do you think, do, or actually, let me just phrase this a different way. Do you think this new running back coach will have that title, or do you think we'll see someone like 
Jim Mahalchek maybe get it. Maybe Jake Cookus. Maybe Brian Lindgren picks it up. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I'm missing on a couple potential uh, names that would be, you know, possible for that. But, you Those know, that, that, that's a bit of a unique angle, isn't it? Because we've talked about it. He was given that title because he was the closer. Petrie mm-hmm. was the closer on the recruiting trail. And that's why I said a part of me as happy as I am for him. I'm like, Matt Nagy, I wish you'd never heard of Michael Petrie because, you know, we know he's getting a good one up there. And we know you're getting a guy who just, he connects with the players so, so, so well. And, you know, whether that be Jamar, whether that be AP, whether that be Tehran Madison, Isaiah Newell, Demir Collins, you know, so on and so forth. He has brought some real talent to this backfield and, you know, he will be missed. But on the other side of that coin, I don't want people to think that like Jonathan Smith hired Michael Petrie away from like an SEC school to get him to come here anyway. This was a guy who was coming from Montana State and, you know, didn't and was just kind of starting his coaching career. And, you know, we all saw it as a great hire, but Petrie grew into the role that we've, you know, come accustomed to him being. He grew into becoming recruiting, you know, the recruiting guru for them and being the closer and whatnot. So with that, that just leads me to believe that Jonathan Smith looks for a type of coach and then that type of coach has the ceiling to be able to get to a you know a petri level um you know we think back it could have went many different ways brian lingren was poached by arizona state oregon state you know was able to you know renegotiate contracts and be able to you know pay him more to stay but herm edwards came after him you know Mm -hmm. after that five and seven season and you know jonathan smith had been talking about it forever you're doing something right exactly if people are taking your coaches and in this case, Oregon state coaches don't go to the NFL very often. That's straight to the NFL. That's, I can think of a handful, but as an assistant, nonetheless, uh, that's, you know, that it just shows his body of work and, you know, above all else, I, I have no, I have no doubt Jonathan Smith will get somebody um, equally as hungry and, you know, willing to, you know, want to build this program up. The, the problem is it's that there's really only one Michael Petrie for how he grew into that. And that, you know, leads into the fact that now he's coaching in the NFL. You don't just get to, you know, pull, you know, NFL potential coaches, you know, out, but this is where that due diligence has to pay, pay mind. And, you know, it's like we were saying, Jonathan, they will probably, you know, take their time and then they'll land on someone who they expect to hit the ground running. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be a big hire for sure. Just get back to your question. I, I don't think whoever they come in, unless it's a, a, a big time hire from a from a guy who's already got the experience, right. I, I seriously doubt they'd be given that title right away, uh, just because there is a massive responsibility that does come with it. So there's uh, there's guys on the staff who who could certainly be promoted to uh, to to have that role next to their name as well, just like Coach uh, Petrie did. But to me, the most important thing is just going to be finding that guy, uh, and I think they've got some options. Um, who, who I'm sure they're looking at. I, I think it'll be a good hire. I really do. Uh, but just the, the anxiety at this point, like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Right. And uh, we'll certainly have the recruit reaction and, you know, all of that stuff up as well as soon as, as, soon as that hire is made because we're all just as anxious as you are. Right. And the thing to consider with this is that, you know, you have to imagine potentially things could leak usually in situations like this where you have just filling one person on the staff 
potentially names start to leak out and then it's official after they've gone through, you know, the two week university hiring process or whatever, you know, that happens to be. So I imagine we're probably still, you know, at least that away from an, you know, uh, an official announcement, but I imagine we'll start to hear some scuttlebug, you know, in the next, you know, week, two weeks, because I guarantee you this, they will want that coach in place before spring football starts. So at the very least, I think it'll be, I think two weeks at most. Yeah. So at the very least, I think, you know, in the next, you know, couple weeks, I think it's very likely to assume that we'll at least have some names or a name starting to, you know, emerge, but uh, that uh, that'll wrap up the Petrie conversation. And again, just want to wish my best to him and very excited for him to be able to join our Tavis up there again, Jared, you know, that's gotta be a pretty cool feeling knowing that you're our Tavis, you're up there with Ryan Null, David Montgomery, nice little crop of backs up there, Tariq Cohen as well. Some, you know, decent backs up there in Chicago. And, you know, Artavis was a, a rookie this year. And, you know, maybe you, maybe you did like your running back coach. Maybe you didn't. And now you get your running back coach from college to coming back. And you're like, man, it's like, it's like a party all over again. I got Ryan Nall. I got uh, Michael Petrie back in the fold. And, you know, that those kind of things don't happen. So that's just a really, really cool story. Yeah, super cool. Super cool. Well, I'd see how it plays out. I'd be interested to see if uh, if Artavis is able to to get some 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 significant amount of snaps this year now under. yeah we're gonna we're, we're definitely gonna need to maybe send Petrie a message say hey it's okay to give Ryan Nall and Artavis Pierce a few carries to spell David Montgomery every now and again <laughs> exactly <laughs> but no uh, definitely wish all the best to the Petrie family again just a, a tremendous individual and definitely gonna miss him here in Corvallis but just to kind of uh, transition to our last topic which is just starting to look ahead to spring practices which. We don't exactly have a start date yet. We have a rough timeline of when we think it's going to start, which is roughly mid to end, mid to end of March, uh, depending on, you know, how the COVID protocols shake out, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, because naturally protocols are going to be a little bit different since they're not, you know, competing on Saturdays against different teams. So I know that affects, you know, the frequency of testing and all those things. So, um, you know, from what I've heard, it's going to be very similar to the last, you know, few years under Smith where they break up this period into two weeks in March, take a break for spring break and finals week, and then um, come back and wrap up in April. So I do expect roughly that um, schedule to be held up again. And if that schedule holds, the biggest question and biggest storyline that will be asked about day one is the quarterback, because, you know, Following the information and the timelines that we were given in December, Tristan Jevia will not be ready by the start of spring practices. He certainly could make a turn and could be, but I remember Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren, several others saying it would be, you know, probably the latter half that he would get back the April half. And when you're able to combine the finals week and spring break week break, that gives him more time. Jared, how much, of an important uh, quarterback. Is this one of the most important quarterback springs that Oregon state's had in a long time, just given that nobody is the clear cut guy, but yet there's plenty of talent in that room. There certainly is. And it's going to be interesting because uh, you know, I've I've always been a big advocate for chance, but I've also, you know, I watched Ben Goldberson in high school. I obviously know how how talented and how high of a ceiling Sam Vidlak has. So it's it's uh it's a, going to be a battle, and we've said that before. I think we've even said it on the podcast already. It's going to be a battle, uh, and certainly there's a there's a big level of importance that's going to come with it. Of course, we hope that it'd be great if if, if there wasn't 
some kind of battle. And Tristan was able to get a heel up and solidify that spot. That's what you want to happen. And that's what those times are for, for someone to solidify themselves as the guy. Uh, but, you know, if he's not able to, then certainly we're, we're in for a big competition this spring. And I, I think it was shaping up that way anyways. Right. I don't want to say that it was going to be anyone's job heading into the season, regardless of how last season ended. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's super yeah. cool. It, it, you know, it's a great storyline for spring and it's going to keep everyone super plugged in. So uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, see what unfolds. Cause I mean, I think that you really got to start giving Ben a look this year just yeah. because he's had that full year now with the team. Obviously I think uh, if, you, if you look at names mentioned in practice, he's always a guy that's like. Well, I mean, Jared, just from what I was able to see myself before last spring got shut down, because the Beavers had, I want to say, two or three practices when I was there in person, you know, in March last year before, you know, <laughs> the last year happened. And um, I remember like day one, day two, Ben Gobranson was turning some heads with Zariah Beeson no shock and we all know <laughs> Zariah Beeson turned out to be later in the year and you know it, it's one of those things where I, I think I mentioned this to you right now Tristan Jebby is the only quarterback on the roster that's won Oregon State a game yeah so that's something to be considered too right Chance Nolan he comes into the equation as being a very mobile option and can launch that deep ball the things that Chance Nolan brought to the table while Oregon State didn't win, were uniquely different and almost kind of exciting than what Tristan Jebbia brought to the table. Then you toss in Ben Gobranson, who, again, another guy who just, you know, we got a chance to see him really late in the year. And even though he only played, you know, limited snaps, his metrics were off the charts in those in that Arizona State game. Granted, again, limited sample size, but looked really, really good. And then you add in the real wild card, which is you know, Sam Bidlack just casually decides to enroll early to get ready for this competition, knowing full well that right now there's no guy. It's not clear cut. There's maybe a favorite, maybe a guy who's got the most experience, but it's wide open. And that's the thing that's most exciting for me, Jared, is obviously you've only you know been with Edge for a couple of years, but going back, I can't remember a quarterback battle at Oregon State with this much talent in the room from top to bottom. And that's where Beaver fans get excited because we've got some quarterbacks in this room that I think could do some really special things. Yeah. And, and you know, you saw it kind of last year with after, uh, after Tristan got hurt. And I, I think one, one of the themes of last season was just the fact that, you know, we saw progression from him pretty much every game. He got better as the season went on and, uh, than Chance, you know, he obviously came in and filled in and we watched him get better too. And, uh, you know, just getting back to that last point and, and practices and, and, and in camps, Bengal Branson's a name that pops up a lot. Sam Vidlak obviously needs no introduction. We've talked plenty about him. Uh, and, uh, you know, just getting to your point, he, he, he did want to stay for his senior year. Uh, but, you know, you see, you see some opportunity. Yeah. You, 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 you kind of get that – you kind of almost get like that Grinch smile a little bit where you're just like – Right. Like, yeah. all right, let's see what happens here. Exactly. But regardless, I mean, even if he doesn't win the job, because, I mean, let's face it, the odds are not in his right. favor. of course, of course. It's still invaluable. Uh, to be there. The, oh, yeah. That he's going to get this spring and just being with the team, being, you know, in college, learning how to be a student and, and balance that before he, you know, jumps right in for the season. It's going to be huge for him. And, 
you know, they're shaping up. And I mentioned this in the story yesterday. They're shaping up to, you know, be successful at that position for years to come, which is obviously a, a massive thing, right. especially in a, in a, you know, towards the end of a, of what most people would call a pretty big rebuild. So right. great to see. And I think they're making, they're making big steps to, uh, to, to make it happen. Even though there's no solidified guides, it, you know, when you've got depth like that, yeah, in any position, it makes it, it makes a lot of fun. And here's, here's the, 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 the devil's advocate, because you know there would be someone, even on our board, who would maybe pose this question. And it's an interesting question to me right now. It's at the end of spring, are all those quarterbacks there? At the end of fall, are all those I quarterbacks about there? about that yesterday. Right. And, and that is something where I'm like, hmm, you know, it, it's interesting. I'd say, because, so. I'd say yes. Yeah. I mean, right now you'd probably say yes. And I think I probably would too, because I think all four of these guys are super invested in wanting to be Oregon State's guy. But, you know, I go back a couple of years ago, I never thought Marcus McMarion would transfer. And after, you know, in 16, leading Oregon State to a couple of victories. And then, the, you know, the following year, the coaching staff wants to go with Jake Luton. And obviously as Jake Luton's in the NFL now that talent wise may have been Maybe the right I'm not, not going to blame him for that decision because, you know, the guys in the NFL, but you know, Marcus McMarion was another guy who was like, okay, at the start of August took off and then went and won, I think somewhere around 20 games the next two years for Fresno state as their quarterback. So even in that case, those quarterbacks can leave late. He left pretty late in the fall camp, basically when he didn't win the job. So, you know, I don't think there's a lot of that with this group. I think all of these guys are pretty, pretty hungry and pretty humble to wanting to, you know, win and, you know, be the kind of um, outstanding, you know, quarterbacks and, you know, leaders on the team that, you know, the Beavers want them to be. But in either case, it's one guy can play quarterback, right? And the thing is, like, you know, you're talking about Jebbia, who's going to come back as a junior. Chance Nolan's going to come back as a sophomore. And then two guys who are basically the same, essentially, with, you know, I guess Sam Bidlock coming in as a true freshman, but Ben Gobranson's basically going to be a true freshman again this year. So, you know, the, it, it it's divides nicely, but it just makes you wonder how long can you hang on to all of them? Mm-hmm. It certainly does. And it's going to be a, like we've said, it's going to be an interesting battle. I, I, again, I don't think we'll see attrition at that position this year, uh, at least not after spring, maybe you know, if things don't go well throughout summer workouts or something like that, then it could become more of a possibility. You know, you get a, you get another chance in fall camp. So, you know, hopefully we we see everybody stay to, to give themselves another chance. And I really think that will happen. I, I don't expect any attrition, but yeah, there's a lot of talent in the room and definitely guys that could potentially go play elsewhere. So hopefully that won't happen. I don't think it will, but uh, it's a good problem to have. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not just quarterback where we're going to have some battles. I mean, you talk about running back where you're going to have Deshaun Fenwick and BJ Baylor competing, you know, for that starting job. I'm very excited to see how that, um, you know, position breaks down. Um, I'm excited to see where uh, Makaya Tung, you know, checks into the receiver room, you know, with, you know, it'll be really good. Right. And, And that's what I mean is Oregon state's got some really nice and, varying pieces and you look at a guy like tongue you're like oh wow there's your hodgins-esque sized receiver and you look this last year the beavers were missing that very much so that's another you know guy i'm really excited to see i'm excited to see you know um uh, how quickly like henelli bloomfield is able to acclimate is he a guy that's going to push for immediate playing time like jonathan smith said he was you know the former utah state transfer and then even on the other side, you know, the Beavers added a, a lot of pieces, um, obviously with 
you know, David Morris announcing his medical retirement. There's some, there's a spot for grabs. I mean, of sorts, I mean, he didn't play the whole year, but some potential reps at safety there. And, you know, guys moving around quite a bit in that back secondary is, you know, Jaden Grant played some safety and, um, you know, Alton Julian played some safety. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, unique competitions and, and we can do a whole podcast might have to just before spring football so <laughs> yeah, absolutely. talking about each position, but, you know, surface level before we get into that down the line, there's a lot of competition. And I'd say this is one of the, this is maybe the most important spring under Jonathan Smith. Yep. It's a uh, certainly, you know, looking like there's going to be a, a lot of competition. There's some question marks that yep. will need to be answered, but uh, it's all good. And I think the team's got potential to be the best team this year that we've seen uh, in, in, in the past few years. Uh, I, I think the last year of Luton was full of potential uh, that, that we didn't see fulfilled. Uh, so talent-wise, that was an incredibly talented team, and they could have they could have outperformed the, the record that they that they had by a lot. Uh, but this year, you know, there's there's a lot of potential as well. I feel like offensively, there's there's a lot of strength. Offensive line's looking pretty good. It is. Uh, the quarterback, like we said, there's a, it's a it's a good problem to have. No, there's not a solidified starter, uh, but there's there's talent in that room. Running back, the same. No no solidified guy, but there's talent in that room. Uh, wide receiver, you've gotten some fantastic transfers at the position. Uh, right. And um, and Harrison last year, Beeson turning into a sophomore who already has made waves as a freshman. So offensively, things are looking really good. Uh, defensively, I feel relatively relatively good about things as well. But yes, it's an important spring. Again, we'll dive into to each of the positions at, at a later date once things get closer. But man, it's a uh, it's an exciting time. Certainly. And I think we gave ourselves a pretty good idea for a podcast, you know, in advance of spring football. So that's going to be exciting to get into as Jared and I can kind of study up on the position group, especially when they release, you know, a spring roster and that's all updated. And, you know, you know, there'll be, you know, maybe an addition or a subtraction or, you know, all those kind of things that go along with a given off season. But before we, you know, wrap up this edition of the edge podcast, Jared, I'm just curious for you of all the things we've talked about, this is kind of the, the tease that I want to leave for everybody. What has you most excited about this team heading into spring? I think, I think honestly, that what I was just getting at, I think the potential of this offense is more than we've seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, that, that 20, uh, 2019 season with, with Luton and Hodge and, yeah. and uh, you know, AP and all of those guys was a great season. It was, was, There's was a lot of seniority on that offense, and that's why I think they were so good, super consistent. Uh, but this year, I just see so much. I see the ceiling being raised almost. Right. Like those guys were fantastic, and you know we're we're obviously a, a great offense. Why most of them are in the NFL now, but I see the same thing happening for these guys, and they're all young. Yeah. And, uh, and and that's the beauty of it. So you know, if we could see just some hints this year, it can only get better. So uh, I, you know, it's always good when when you can only go up. Right. And that's the thing is, you know, just despite this year, which again, I don't call it a throwaway year. I just almost call it like an at risk year where, you know, all the factors that happened off the field this year played into, you know, this year. And I almost don't, you know, I've, I've seen some fans on like the damn board be like, did the Beavers take a step back by going two and five this last year? No, because it was a COVID year in my opinion. And I don't think you can, 
necessarily put too much stock into or not enough, like both, both sides of it with what happens, you know, during a COVID year and, you know, everything that happened and, you know, the Beavers lost spring and everything else. So for me, I'm most excited to see this team have a full spring. And I look back to last year, getting spring cut out from under him, then not being able to start fall camp until goodness. I can't remember when fall camp did start. Was it September? I think. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's, it's sorry, many months ago, I'm having to rack the brain back, but after, you know, they canceled Pac-12 football and then put it back on and then, you know, brought it back. There were just a lot of things that were going on this year. A lot of things that are still going on right now. And I'm not, I don't use that as an excuse. I just say simply that it's something that you have to look at when you're looking at the context of the season. So for me, I'm excited for them to have a really full spring session, really hone in on anything that they want to, you know, kind of tweak a little bit springs great for tweaking potential sets or things like that and you know i'm also excited to see who's going to break out because yeah. every year whether it be fall camp or spring typically more in fall camp you know a guy like zariah this last year but even zariah you know had his moments in spring too um I, i'm curious to see who's going to break out because i think there are some guys in this team that are very hungry and you know i know for a fact there are guys on this team the majority of this team if not all of this team is disappointed with how they played this last year and yeah. want to, you know, get to a bowl game. That is still the goal of this program, you know, amidst the rebuild. So very excited, you know, to see how all that kind of comes together and comes together and crystallizes, you know, over the next few months. So that'll go ahead and wrap it up for this edition of the edge podcast. Big shout out to my co-host Jared Hallis for joining us as always, Jared, that was a fun podcast, man. Yeah. 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 Being able to kick back and talk some beaver football with you. Absolutely. It's always fun. Always fun. So that'll go ahead and do it for us on this edition of the edge podcast. Make sure to keep it tuned to beaversedge.com for all the latest. Again, Jared and I will have coverage of Oregon state's running back coach hire whenever they you know, announce that we'll have continued updates on recruiting. We'll have, uh, basketball updates as they continue to come through baseball starting up soon as well. I know a lot of edgers are really excited uh, for the baseball season and that's going to be exciting here in the you know coming weeks as they get down to surprise. So lots of stuff coming up at beaversedge.com. You want to keep it locked. Jared and I'll take care of you guys with content. So for this edition of the edge podcast for Jared Hallis, I'm Brennan Slaughter signing off. <laughs>